Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. As ever, I'm Mitch Bain. I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. And joining us tonight, he is the host of the podcast Under the Stairs, and also a returning guest, it's Mr. Duncan McLeish. Duncan, hello. Hey! Hey! He's back! I don't know if I deserve the... Thank you for having me back, gents. And I think we need to address the fact, Mitch, that this, although it's technically episode 50, this is our one-year episode. Because we did take two weeks off over Christmas. Yeah, but that's it. A year. Congratulations. One year. And yeah, thank you for coming back and doing this. And uh, thank you for bringing this film. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll wait and see about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, aye, back to 2001. Mm -hmm. Uh, For The Hole. Yeah, Nick Ham's The Hole. Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, having had you on previously for what is possibly one of our dirtiest episodes. Ah, it's top three uh, for sure. On Rawhead Rex, and one of our most listened to episodes, by the way. Well yeah. done, guys. Um, well done. When I heard you pick the hole, I just assumed, not, oh, here we go. It's not, it's not what you thought. It's not what, it's, it's here we go. unfortunately titled the hole. Um, but then I didn't know which hole you'd chosen. <laughs> I can see we're going to go down a slippery road here. No, no, no. Yeah. I was just thinking, was it Joe Dante's The Hole? Which is also a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Or was it Holes and Mitch had picked it up wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, no. But no, it's this one. Yes. Yeah. So why this one? Right, so uh, I was speaking to you guys just before we started recording. Um, back circa 2001, when I was a youngin', uh, I worked in a video store, and I remember this movie getting pushed quite heavily. Mostly off the back of Thora Birch, who has went on to do very little, actually. She kind of disappeared <laughs> now. But she was the hot thing, and she's going to be in this horror movie, and everything was going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And the cast that she's in now, in hindsight, was actually a pretty good cast. And it was going to be this big push for British horror that kind of went nowhere. It, yeah. it came out, fizzled very, very quickly. This guy didn't really go on and do much except one horror movie afterwards, which flopped horribly. Right. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of disappeared. And it's one of those ones where it weirdly is a movie out of time. It, 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 when we get into talk about it, it references a lot of things which were more popular in the 90s, yet is riding that wave of movies that were kind of fizzling out to do with it teens and high schools and something yeah. weird's happening but also it being kind of post-screen but post-Blair Witch as well it falls in the weirdest time period mm-hmm. and it got buried basically by the fact that everyone was starting to get into J-horror so it's a weird little nugget of a movie which for all we'll get into is actually surprisingly good and holds up because it's about teens and there's no supernatural bit or anything else it's just about teens being teens uh, and things going a bit awry or indeed t- teens being arseholes and uh, and in this film they are yes uh, yes yeah to a man they are arseholes the <laughs> match a first for you and for you it was indeed I uh, as so many of them are it was uh, I remember when this came out and I remember there being a massive fuss made about it at the time and I was kind of surprised when you said that nobody saw it because I remember seeing it everywhere yeah. when it came out yeah I remember just the limited like I worked in a big video store and you could always 
tend to see what title was going to be the big title by how many copies we got in and at the time you would have something like 100 copies of Bridget Jones's Diary and maybe 20 copies of the Blair Witch Project and there was two copies for the whole so by the time it made its way down there had underperformed in cinemas yep. and didn't get a push on VHS at all so right. it kind of fizzled away Aye, so by the time it hit kind of home release people had a clearer idea of what they were dealing with yeah. kind of demand wise I think I caught it on satellite or cable at the time on Sky Movies or something like mm-hmm. that and uh, this is only the today's only the second time I've ever seen it. Wow! Um, yeah, yep. <laughs> it's given nothing away. Um, it's given nothing away. When are we on the Thora Birch timeline here? Are we post American Beauty? We are. Yep. Yeah, this was uh, so Thora Birch paid a seven figure salary for this. Famously, wow. yeah. yeah, that was off the back of American, American Beauty, Beauty. Mm-hmm. and I guess Ghost World. Which was after, been was after, after the yeah. Ghost World would have been after. That's interesting then. Post American Beauty, pre Ghost World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. She went from doing like the from getting a figure like that to doing an indie, and then her careers pretty much went weird since. She's never really done anything as big as either one of these movies again. She had kind of smaller roles and appeared in some telly, I think, and maybe some stage stuff. But yeah, it's a weird one because I remember there being a clear push that she was going to be the next big thing, mm-hmm. and then weirdly. For some reason, I always get, I always now in hindsight get her and Ellen Page muddled up, and it's almost like the Ellen Page train kind of took over, and they're not alike at all. And I don't know why I get them muddled up, but I do. I always, always like if you if you ask me who's in hard candy, I would say that's Laura Butch, and it's not. The screen presence wise are a little bit similar or they were this time though. I can kind of see where you're coming from. I think it's because they both started doing indie stuff about the same time. So, hmm. All right, let's go with that, Duncan. You know what you're gonna have to do here. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Andy, we've got the time on the clock. You know I do. No pressure. Yeah. You know I do. Duncan, your yours, your Rawhead Rex thirty second synopsis is um, famous. It's still, it's still one of the best that we've ever had. Right. Uh, so for the benefit of anyone, so no pressure. So no pressure. But for the benefit of anyone who is listening without having seen the whole. Are you ready to give us a 30 second synopsis? Yeah, I tried to. I listened to my one today and I was like, I have to make this one shorter. So I did actually go for shorter. So Okay. So let me on. ask you, I see you're sitting there with a very fancy iPad compared to me and Mitch's uh, pieces of paper scraps. Uh, have you written it? I have. I. Oh, right. Okay. It's, it's very, very, very okay. short. I mean, it's okay. like five words, so get ready. Right, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one, go. Cruel Intentions meets The Usual Suspects. Wow. That's the whole. That, I, is, that is literally the whole. <laughs> Four I, seconds. I, <laughs> I don't know if it's the shortest ever. I think it might still be Phil Escott. Well, that's I, pretty good. I mean, I, I'm, Four seconds, I would say, is uh, about as good as it gets. It's that's what my wife says. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I made a Cruel Intentions kind of comparison in my head when I was watching it, but The Usual Suspects one is not something that would have occurred to me. But now you've said it, I totally see Yeah, Thora Birch is Kaiser Susie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> minus a limp. Yeah. And minus Kevin's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we don't talk about it anymore. We do uh, not. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, let's just jump into this because there's a decent amount to talk about. Yeah, so we open with, uh, it's kind of a first-person perspective initially of a disheveled person that we learned to be Thora Birch. Sure, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Stumbling past a bunch of missing person posters for a, the protagonists. A bunch of missing person's yeah. posters? There's fucking thousands a of them. A plethora, I believe, is the <laughs> official number count of yeah. how many we see. There's, there's about 14,000 posters. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every second lamppost in case you didn't pass the lamppost before, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's, there's like rural uh, walkways, just papered. Oh, well, yeah, it's like one of those ones where all they're missing is the underpass shot where it's just wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
Um, so yeah, she's she's uh, having a time. I think that's fair to say, Mitch. She's uh, battered, she's bruised. She's, she's doing the walk of shame. Well, come on, we've all been there. Uh, fucking, I can tell you've been there. Fucking Andy. right. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I. Uh, just as bloody oh, as yeah. well. Oh, uh, for fuck's sake. Uh, um, oh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but she's she's stumbling along the road. And Mitch, I think it's fair to say she's in a state of some distress. I would go as far as to say she's in a state of some distress, yeah. She stumbles into a building, school. Yes. School. Yeah. Yeah, grabs a phone, uh, dials a number, and then uh, jump scares the operator. Yes, gives her a scream. Now I'm going to say if you're an operator already in a high-stress environment and a low wage, the last thing you want is someone to scream down the phone at you when you, all you're trying to do is help. Yep. Quite calm up until the moment that she screams. Yeah. That's obviously, I mean... Uh, it plays into the character. Though. When uh, you think about much, it in hindsight, does, it totally yeah. makes sense. But at that bit, you're just like, something bad's happened to her. <laughs> something bad. I'm no detective here. I think something bad's happened to this. This young lady here. I mean, I don't mean to jump to any conclusions, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sensing something's wrong. Something's not quite right. What's that, Lassie? She's falling down the well. <laughs> um, she looks like she's fallen down a well. She, she is incredibly, <laughs> she she's incredibly dirty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, she genuinely looks like she's just out of a nuclear blast. Yeah. You've no idea how right you are, Mitch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so for our opening credits, uh, aerial shot of emergency services arriving on scene. Again, we, we learn that this is the... Uh, the Brayburn. Brayburn School. Brayburn, yeah. Brayburn. Absolute media circus here. Yeah, this is like, because you imagine if this has been four missing kids in a town from... Uh, Posh school, which sure, you pay to yeah. go to. This is national news. This has been covered everywhere. Prime Minister's probably done a speech. You know, one of them's a son of, as we're here and here over and over again. One yeah. of them's a son of a rock star. Yeah, well, you know, uh, as so you do when you go to school. Every every yeah, second kid's a son of a pretty <laughs> big news. That's like I suppose like a Francis Bean Cobain. Yeah, she goes uh, to this small school and she disappeared. So and they've been gone for a bit. So eighteen days, I believe, yeah. at final count. Yes, eighteen days. So I would say that I would say that the press attention here is not disproportionate. I would say that like that's about what would happen. Yep. Um, <laughs> More or less, but yeah. So we've got th- thought about Liz here. Uh huh. Old would... old of name and old of uh, nighttime sleeping apparel. Yes, very matronly. <laughs> she wears the <laughs> oldest clothes to go to bed. Like a, a 15, 16 year old girl would just, I presume. I I'm not. I, I can't. Claim like, to be uh, all fair with yeah, the sleeping like, habits of sixteen-year-old girls. I'm glad we put that disclaimer out but, there. <laughs> but I would imagine it's just like a t-shirt. I would like um, to think that times have moved on. I, I, I think that, that less less clothing is probably more apt in today's society. Uh, than she more. looks like Wee Willie Winkie. <laughs> so, yeah, that's 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 fair enough. Yeah, takes a candle to bed, you know. What I mean? <laughs> so, and nightcap and blunderbuss. Yeah, let's see if we got. <laughs> Nice. Just to protect, safe. Just to protect, incredibly safe. Just to protect the homestead against marauders. <laughs> um, we also meet a caseworker here. I said caseworker. What are we talking about here? She's kind of an investigator, right? But like, uh, she's a, oh. a psychiatrist. Oh, yeah, psychiatrist. She, I think she's but, like a criminal psychiatrist. Yeah. What's for the police? Uh, Doctor Philippa Horwood. Yeah, I have shorthanded her as Doctor Phil for the remainder of my notes. Doctor Phil. <laughs> right. Well, that's someone quite different. <laughs> um, I believe he's a sexual help guru. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, Emma Davids here, like I say, as Doctor Phil, sporting a kind of erratic British accent. I think. She's a, she's a big she is name. British, is she not? She, no, she's American. Is she? Yeah, I googled. Ah, well she, done. She was a she was a big name at this point as well. Mm-hmm. She done she done a lot. Of, she would go on to do loads as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, probably the most consistent in terms of uh, budget out of all these ones, maybe removing Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm. She's at, like she's in a. And this to me is the exciting role. This is the role you want in a movie mm-hmm. like this if you are 
if you're coming in on the cast, you want to be the the one that's doing the, all the kind of prime minds, the kind of the Jodie Foster sure, of the sure, movie. Yeah, so yeah. Like, <laughs> I think the whole film's got a kind of feeling of a TV show, yeah. like a kind of TV procedural. Yes. Like Prime Suspect or something like yeah. that. Yeah, even the cinematography leans um, oh, a bit so. more towards yeah. that as well. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she's kind of rocking that kind of performance here mm-hmm. as well. Um, but she's probably best known to people for being in Army of Darkness. Yes. Or so, Matilda. I've, I've also got Matilda in there here yeah. as well. Also got shot in the face by Anthony Hopkins in Fracture. So she did. Mm-hmm. I love Fracture as well. Fracture's a great Mitch. film. Look at Mitch having seen stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me over here watching films occasionally. I put down The Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man, but I never saw that one because that was the first reboot before the third reboot. That's the Garfield one? Yeah, aye. She was, Not she... Garfield the cat. Andrew <laughs> Garfield the actor. I'd rather watch the Garfield the cat one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, aye. So, like I say, she's she's continued having a, a pretty stellar career, actually, overall. Yeah. She's still, still like, hard at work, so... Yeah. Fair play to her. Fair yeah. play to her. Still rattling them out. So, she sets up a camera, we're about to get a kind of video, not necessarily confession, but interview with Liz. Well, she, she kind of hypnotises her and gets her to regress right at the start. Yeah. Um, seems pretty full on, considering yeah. she's very quickly after this, incredibly open with the whole yeah. story. And plus she's just come out, like, like you tend not to as your first approach, like, being, and I'm not, I'm not a scientist, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know the inner workings of the human mind, but I'm going to say that once someone has just been rescued, the first thing you do is you get them a cup of tea, you get them settled and all the rest. You maybe ask them some questions, and if they can't remember, you build up to the hypnotism. She jumps right into it, which I think speaks a lot towards the end of the movie as well, where they're like, she's a renegade psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah. All these rogue practices. Just like, do you want a cup of tea? No, tea, tea, tea. Dangle a watch. <laughs> <laughs> When I clap my hands, you're a chicken. You're me, you're a chicken. Um, but yeah, she's like right in with it. But what's interesting about this one is the movie, what I love about this movie overall is how it pivots, not very well actually, but it pivots really clearly from the kind of unreliable narrator. So we get everything straight away from uh, Elizabeth's perspective. And it paints her as very much the victim sure. right from the off. She's yeah. the loner mm-hmm. at school. Yeah. Friends, all this. I love that aspect about because you're like, she's still a, still a bunch of friends. Yeah, that's like. what we were saying. Yeah, we were like, right, right, come on now. They're, they're, paint, they're making her this kind of. Thought about this character in American Beauty. Oh, yeah, she's always playing yeah. these characters that are kind of outcasts, and she would be incredibly popular at school. Uh, yeah, I would imagine. I'm looking at her going, but why? But then I think if she's wearing that negligee, then maybe people feel that she's a bit more of a fuddy duddy, and maybe they don't want to. I don't know how public school. Don't know if that would qualify as a negligee. Yeah. A negligee yeah. seems like quite a sexy word. Yeah, negligee seems like it doesn't have as much material to play yeah. with as. Uh, right, it does kind of look like somebody's got a head and arms in a burlap sack. And don't yet. Yeah, Liz. Uh, yeah, she starts talking about her kind of uh, private school boarding school experience and leads in with that. Uh, if you want to exist, you have to be pretty. This is pretty much a summation of the kind of angst you're going to get from her for the most part. Oh, mm-hmm. There's some incredibly angsty stuff. In in the first 10 minutes unbelievable unbelievable what yeah. <laughs> um, including her, um, her uh, unrequited love for Mike Steele son of a rock star haver of 60s hair Mike Steele a um, real man's name yeah Mike Steele played by Desmond Harrington um, from Dexter De- um, like Dexter and he was in he had a small neon role demon. Neon Demon yeah, I remember yeah. when he popped up and I was like that I literally literally only know you from Dexter and I was like no he's in Wrong Turn as well of course he is yeah, uh, so yeah. He did, he, and he did Ghost Ship as well so for mm-hmm. a weird little time period he was the horror guy he was doing a fair amount aren't yeah. Aren't you know what I mean when you think about it Wrong Turn's about the same time period Ghost Ship was 2004 
Thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for a wee while there, he was the horror guy, and then the Dexter. But here he is, uh, played Mike Steele, <laughs> seventeen-year-old old man. Worst, uh, worst wig. Oh God, worst I, wig I, ever. I, really, I, this like, this is like this is terrible. This is like the the, the like someone has went into a comedy. <laughs> Dress shop and bought a, like a Beatles wig. That's exactly it's like, what I was uh, say, it's, yeah. it's like, like the wrong one. Michael though. Showalter's from uh, Hot Wet American Summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so so. Yeah. Um. What, like, what, like, we might as well just talk about this briefly now. What do we think about him performance-wise here? I don't think he's that bad. Um, he's he's good at the end. He's like at the beginning. He, I think the the whole idea is he's supposed to be this guy who's completely. Uh, you know, he's the yeah. son of the, the rock star, kind of oblivious to everything, doesn't really want to be there. It's probably forced. And as a result, his performance comes off very kind of uh, all the way through. Yeah. It's very yeah. meh until towards the end when the bad stuff happens, which we'll get to. And then he gets a bit more interesting. He's better in Wrong Turn, if I'm honest, which, like I say, is about the same year. Uh-huh. And Wrong Turn is brilliant. And this movie, I get the feeling he's talking American. Yeah. You are talking American for this movie. Worth mentioning, Thora Butch is not playing an American in this film. No. <laughs> uh, she's playing an English girl, and uh, I don't know why they didn't just keep her American, because this is supposed to be some big yeah. fancy school. They could have quite easily kept her in, with an American accent. And, and her accent's all over the map as well. And it's not even <laughs> as if, because she does go home later on in the movie, but it's not as if you interact with her family to really, and there's nothing saying that her family hasn't moved to England. So yeah. I, I, they, do the, they do these weird things at times, and her English accent is on the spectrum of ridiculously posh, that you, you imagine that uh, an accent puts down on their CV is I can do an English that's accent. English accent. Yeah, because yeah. that's the that's the level of it. She's like weirdly about she's posher than Kira Knightley in this, which is <laughs> yeah. difficult to do in a movie. But uh, considerably less shrill. Oh, man, yeah. Man. Um, <laughs> not you know, no real sign of uh, of Liz's parents at all. Actually, even when no. the shit's kind of hitting the fan, they're never there going. We would rather you didn't talk to our, our daughter alone. Could one of us sit in with us, given it, that she's a minor? Does it not once again play into the character's motivations? Or if you imagine that she's grown up in this house where her parents Just are not all that so. interested, mm. it's that kind of. There are small things in the movie where I don't know if they're deliberate or accidental or I'm like that. Does it actually make you know like weirdly make sense? But I, I don't know if I can give credit to oh, they've <laughs> deliberately done that, or it's just a case of in hindsight it looks like it works better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like there's no family for her at all, and like you say, she's kind of the outcast at school, which doesn't seem to fit. I I, I don't think it tracks, but but I mean I, I mean obviously I'm willing to accept it. You know, it's yeah. like this is this is how they're framing it, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. She's obsessed with Mike Steele, and we hear about this as she um kind of talks about it and kind of bemoans all this to uh Martin, her air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah computers and movies yeah. all i'm gonna say is that they're brilliant uh, especially early 2000s computers in schools where everyone can just hack everything oh yeah yeah, yeah. He, he will use that to good effect at some point he's like uh, two monitors it was like the matrix back then when you watch someone with a computer like like a kid with a computer in an old film and you're yeah. like how the fuck did you afford that <laughs> That's, that's what I was thinking here. I was like, two monitors? 2001? 2001 money? You're talking... Still running Windows 95 on that in 2001. <laughs> but yeah, he's a, he's her friend who is deeply in love with her. This is where the cruel intentions thing comes in, really, in the comparison. Deeply in love with her, but she's oblivious to it. And she also seems to kind of cast aspersions on his sexuality a little bit. Yeah, well, she she out and out says that if only you weren't gay, and he's like, that, I'm, I'm not gay. He's like constantly that. like, listen, I'm not fucking gay. I've got a, 
massive love for you over here. Like. But once again, and the, the what's interesting is when we get to come back to these points and the second retelling of the story, all this makes sense. Is he actually like the way she's painting them? Is he's like puppy eyed over her? But that's not not the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, because I mean, it's it's like unbelievably so to begin with. Because yeah. like, because she's like, oh, I love him, and he's like, no, you love me. Like you know, we have we've talked every day for the last five years and stuff like this. And at this point, you know, knowing nothing of what's to come. Yeah. So then we're like, fucking hell, man, this is pathetic. <laughs> yeah. The, the, <laughs> cut your losses, man. Uh, cut your losses. Like, like, she's she's near for it, man. Honestly, yeah. just accept it. You've got two monitors. I mean, what do you need <laughs> for? The second monitor is just like a surrogate Your girlfriend. porn's practically in 3D if you've got two monitors. I think that's, that's how three right. dimensions work. Something I'm, like that. Ah, uh, yes, my understanding of that. <laughs> but you'd yeah. still be in that time period where it takes really oh, long time to load imagine? up. On two monitors as well. Oh, no. it's double the frustration. Um, so <laughs> uh, he's played by a guy who has done, I've got written here, Daniel Brocklebank, which makes him sound like a fraggle. Um, <laughs> and I've just got in brackets here loads of TV. Because that's literally, he's done EastEnders and a lot of soap stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Literally, sure. yeah. Doesn't he? He has not aged well. Right. Anyway, you see his picture on his IMDb, not aging well. See, I think he looks old here. <laughs> I think he probably was. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's, also, he's also dressed exactly like uh, Ryan Phillippe's character from Cruel Intentions. Totally is. Totally is. Yeah. yeah. Is, yeah, a bit cringy. <laughs> I would be surprised if that was an accident. Oh, no, no, no. I think it's very deliberate. Yeah. yeah. So Cruel Intentions, what's 98, 99? There or thereabouts, yeah. yeah. So this movie feels like it's probably kind of, not, not right in the cusp of it. Cruel Intentions was a huge movie. Oh, yeah. I, I get the feeling, I get a feeling that this is just if we're going to do it at a prim and proper school this is how they have to look because yeah. Cruel Intention yeah. says this is how they have to look um, and he does he like he's like a he's like a bad stunt double for Ryan Phillippe uh-huh. yeah, yeah. you know what I mean yeah. kind of <laughs> as I decided Cruel Intention is a good film it's a great movie I love yeah. Cruel they, they did a screening of it recently for its anniversary I went to see it and I was like this movie still holds up and Sarah Michelle Gellar is still a bitch <laughs> and I still have a massive crush on her don't we all don't we all UK Garage all over the soundtrack here I think this is really funny I think that nothing dates this film more than the music yeah, this is Clint Mansell as well who did the yeah. soundtrack. Who at that's this, fucking wild, by the way. At this point, had already done Requiem for a Dream mm-hmm. and Pie, and yeah. would go, go on to do Black Swan. He'd work with most recently Ben Wheatley. He's done tons of Wheatley stuff, mm-hmm. and has become like a big deal, legit big deal. Um, had a fairly successful kind of career as a. I think he did industrial music. It was a weird mm-hmm. tenuous relationship. Well, there's certainly some of that going on in here. Well, yeah, I get it. He's, he's went totally in with this is what I need to, but I'm totally with you that nothing dates this movie more than the soundtrack straight away. It's that kind of full electronica garage. This is, you know, this is edgy. This is going to be what the kids are listening to in the future. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it sounds like a bit like a film score and a bit like Oxide Neutrino. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a, I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, it seemed like a weird step back for him as well. I, like, in a lot of ways. Projects, mm. All his projects around are a lot bigger, so I don't know how they landed him out with the fact that I think he is British and maybe mm. there was a, don't know. I can't remember. Was, that, was it Studio Canal? Well, they obviously got a lot of money. I believe, yeah. yeah. They obviously managed to get a lot of money together, particularly to be able to afford a seven-figure sum for Thora Birch. Yeah. And then I think a lot of the other budget that they, they managed to secure was kind of predicated on getting her. So yeah. I think the fact that they'd kind of locked her down freed up a lot more money. Mm. Um, yeah. And so maybe they were just like, we can afford you. <laughs> Let's yeah. get Clinton. Clinton's yeah. awesome. Uh, but yeah, like uh, we kind of... We kind of meet three of the main characters kind of lounging around three of the girls in the room 
And at this point, we meet Frankie, played here by Kira Knightley. Very young Kira Knightley. Very yeah. young Kira Knightley. She was 15 when she was, uh, they were shooting this. Yeah. Was she, all right? <laughs> which, yeah. which, 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 should, uh, you should not have told me that. I was going to say, yeah. which, yeah. I was going to say that. That's going to change the tone of the conversation somewhat. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly 15 years old here. Aye, that, 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 that opens up a lot of questions about what comes later. Well, we can film. touch on that. Yeah. Sure. Let's not touch anything. For Let's not sure, touch when we get to that part of the film. But uh, yeah, 15 years old here. Dear. I did not know that. I, know. I did not know that. Quite regretting that freeze totally. frame wank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's fine. You were younger. You moving were younger. on. Yeah. Was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frankie's a party girl. She is. Yeah. But also, kind of like, seems at this point to be like a kind of fairly supportive friend to Liz. You know, she's like helps her dye her hair when she thinks that's what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives her a little bit of a pep talk about how. Uh, you know, changing yourself on the outside won't change what you're like on the inside, and that's what he needs to fall for. And all Does it anyway, though. Dyes her hair yeah, anyway. Yeah, dyes it anyway, because it's what she wants to do. An um, incredibly professional dye job as well. Worth mentioning that salon quality. Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah, she looks great. And then she but she comes out, <laughs> takes one look around, realises this is not what she wants, immediately patches the dye job. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, goes back to Martin, uh, bemoans the perils of young love. <laughs> I hate this moment. It's... Just obviously as well, we, we know that this is kind of this isn't necessarily how things shook out. Yeah, but um, the fact that even in her, even in her fake telling of this this version of events that she would use this dialogue is cringy, horrible. It's cr- <laughs> like t- once again, even even um, kind of public school kids do not speak. I, I sometimes think that adults really think they know how kids talk, and mm-hmm. they don't. And um, <laughs> there's nothing more. It's interesting. You were talking. On, I think it's your most recent episode about watching something like Assassination Nation, mm-hmm. which has really well written teenage dialogue, sure, like yeah. incredibly well written teenage dialogue. And when you hear this, it sounds like a ninety year old man sat down and went, I know what the kids talk about. Uh-huh. You know, like and it is it's so stunted and it feels uncomfortable and it doesn't feel natural. And even if it is someone recalling something from a kind of flowery perspective, it doesn't feel real. No. Yeah. And yeah. I think that you've got kind of shaky dialogue here, but also kind of being delivered through the kind of vessel of Thora Birch mangling an English accent. Yeah. So you're like, oh I'm so desperately in love with him, Governor, and he doesn't know that I exist. <laughs> <Governor>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh, it's it's no. it's it's a, it's, a pre- it's it's pretty cringy stuff. Yeah, um, the levels of angst are through the roof here. Um, and uh, we've kind of at this point just about assembled everybody that we need to know about before we head to the real jump off point in this thing, with the exception of our old pal Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff's introduced in a scene uh, where he uh, confronts Mike and asks Mike to come along to this trip that they're taking, while Mike eats mere centimeters away from a dirty jock strap. Yep. I kept going, move that, move that away, you, like, you can smell that, like, like that's going to affect how, whatever, like, so the all ramen that he was eating. So all he is tasting is jockstrap, is that what you're Pretty saying? Pretty much, jockstrap flavoured pot noodle. <laughs> no one's asking for that. Jesus no Christ. one has asked for that. To be honest, there's worse flavours out there. <laughs> Bombay Bad Boy is pretty horrible. <laughs> So the, the 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 main four here are going to exclude Martin from this. Yeah, sure, um, you have to. Yeah, yeah the, the main four kind of misdirect themselves out of a school trip. Um, <laughs> no, Martin hacks them out of a school trip. Hacks hacks the school mainframe. Um, and I love the fact that he hacks the school mainframe and all he does is, is delete this. names. He literally just deletes names from a spreadsheet. Uh-huh. 
that's what he does and that's what gets as if the teachers don't know who the students are <laughs> like by removing them from that list the teacher's like who is this person did he go to this school maybe he deleted them from everything like <laughs> matrix is what i said yeah computers. just took them out of the, the school altogether like, yeah, just... he's the architect this is as as yeah as once again it's 2001 computers so sure, sure. this is the logic that we have this is another thing that i think like it do- dates not just this film but loads of films from around this era is the unbelievably elastic attitude to what hacking can do oh yeah you know when like when in films where somebody just busts out a laptop and like hacks a set of traffic lights and stuff like that yep yeah uh, it's, it's hackers is the what hackers is a I, I would say a guilty pleasure i love the movie but sure, the stuff they yeah. do in that movie is like when they're controlling the sprinkler system the laptop <laughs> and you're like that's not how sprinkler systems work especially in 95 i'm just saying not in 95 um so <laughs> and, uh, i'm glad that we join them midway through the hack though oh, because you, oh, yeah. you're the dial-up <laughs> Kind of, and on a, that could have been a pretty laborious task. And it's like what we see is at him at the end of having sat there for six days. You don't understand the algorithm I had to write, man. <laughs> but yeah, he um he deletes the other four um the other four's names from a register, a class list, or something. I don't know. I think it's like the the part. Uh, it seems to have like lists of not just their att- the fact that they're attending, but it's got like their emergency contacts yeah. and allergies and stuff like that. So it must be something to take away just to keep them like them apprised. Because of... it's a school trip, and by removing them from the school trip, it looks like they have went home to their parents. So sure. yes. this gives them uh, what will be a three day window in which to party hard. So <laughs> yeah, of all places to do it. Why a hole in the ground? Yeah. That's the question you've got, like, when you've got the woods there. I know it's England, but um, when you've got other places you can go, they're like that. No, nuclear bunker. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And that's, a per- of course, a perfect segue into the fact that they are now about to enter the hole. The hole. Yeah, the titular yeah. hole. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go down the hole. Um, <laughs> uh, good advice. I mean, um, so, yeah, the four of them are getting ready to go in. We get more kind of like, again, you're saying that even in an unreliable narrator retelling of something like this, Thora Birch's dialogue is still pathetic. It's also funny. Like, oh, do you think you'll fall in love with me and all this stuff? Oh, in this first, In this telling of her story, she turns up, like, hilariously dressed, like a kind of army surplus store threw up yep. on her. Like, she's just got, like, <laughs> canteens and, like, metal, like, pots and pans dangling <laughs> off her. Like, and she looks fucking you're, ludicrous. It's three days. <laughs> It's three days. She's packed for a month. I think it's really funny when she appears and uh, the boy Mike's like, have you just come back from the Himalayas? And she looks really hurt. And yeah. it's like, in fairness, you know, it's like, I mean, I'd rather he wasn't nasty to you, but you look fucking ridiculous. Yeah, plus, if you, I want to say is if someone showed, like, you've all packed for three days and someone's packed mm-hmm. for a month and then you'll get trapped in a hole and one of these might be responsible. Who do you think it may be? <laughs> I'm just saying. Why you bring so much fucking stuff? Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> on that why did Kira Knightley bring an inflatable couch <laughs> they've all brought something fucking ludicrous it's, with them yeah I, I, like, like, this is only this at some point your wild card packing it's like, it's like they expect the A-team to have to break them out and build a device from an inflatable cushion in some canteens <laughs> it's honestly it's like but it is the most it's, yeah, as yeah, she does. She she comes equipped for the for the long haul, which is apt because that's what they're going to have to go through. Yeah, sure. yeah, right. Though when she turns up with like forty sausages and ten kilos of pasta, she Plus, does she does hurtle to the top of the suspect yeah, list. Yeah, I'm also thinking how much did these fuckers eat? One of them isn't eating in the hole to begin with, so there's three of them. There's other food there, and like at day four, they're already like, there's not enough food, man. There's not enough food, and I'm like, what did you? She had half a fucking larder with her. 
You know what I mean? They've famously done that thing where you just like you just eat like fuck in the first couple of days because you don't expect to be locked in for eighteen days, and then you're like, ah, oh, bollocks. <laughs> And she says foolishly to Mike, she's like, oh, I've got noodles in that. Eat as much as you like. Yeah. And big Nudo, mistake. Mike, lo- Mike loves a noodle. Uh, Mike, Mike loves a freebie. Ah, that's sure. Mike loves a noodle. <laughs> he does also love a freebie, yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, I think, we, have we missed a bit with all the bobies? Uh, no, that's in the retailing. Of course. So that's in the retailing. No, trust we'll me, I have marked that down. I was going to say, we, I thought we, you might have. Nothing <laughs> gave me greater pleasure than that scene. I'll tell you so that, that will not go unmentioned, any of you yeah. worry. Um, but yeah, so um, they go inside. We get a kind of uh, we get a kind of classic kind of teenage debauchery montage. We Set two. Pe- my my richest, my kind of most vivid memory of this film at the time, which was see the song that plays there at Grand Theft Audio's "We Love You." Yes, I was fucking obsessed with that song when it came out. There we go. And the reason I and the thing that I remember it was the video had loads of clips from the hole in it. Ah, right. So this ah. was oh, a music video for the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like it was kind of like a de facto theme for it in terms of like its PR and stuff like that. Ah, did so I, I never saw the film, but for some reason that's something I retained. Stuck in your mind, yeah. 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 Do you notice they have a painfully slow ladder descent? Yeah, yes. it takes them all out. It, you see them all come down that ladder in yep. excruciating detail. Because <laughs> they've had to climb down that. Yeah, you know I mean, like, as actors, they're not they're not equipped to do that. I don't know if you know they, these these are probably never seen that kind of rope chain ladder. It's like the worst ladder as well. And in an emergency, oh, you would not want to have to climb no, up and down a no, ladder like that. No, 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 Good no, planning. no, 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 definitely, hundred percent. Especially not uh, what it was built for uh, <laughs> yeah. was nuclear war. I want to stud their ladder if I'm hustling yeah, to get if, down if there. If a bomb the goes off, fall. you want to be able to go down a flight of stairs quick. You don't sure, want to have to yeah. like navigate a kind of string rope chain thing. Or do yeah. one of those awesome slides yeah, down, yeah, like exactly. a, down, down a like pole. a stationary ladder. A pole. A pole. There, there we go. go. That's the one. Or just one. jump off onto a big pad. <laughs> yeah. An inflatable couch. An inflatable That's why it was there. That's, That's why it was there. Yes. There you are. We're all we're all we're all happy. Now. It took us a while, guys, but I'm really glad we answered the film's central mystery. <laughs> um, in this telling, first uh, kind of uh, first kind of seeds of uh, kind of like the embers of romance because in Mike they bond over a shared affinity for sausages. Mm-hmm. Um, Very grey sausages. Aye, yeah, we've seen better days. But Presumably yeah. uh, vegetarian or herby, incredibly herby. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's reasonable. But yeah, like I'm. Uh, I've never given that a thought. I'll tell you right now, it's all I can think of. That's going to be my lasting memory of this movie. Well done, sausages. Cumberland, by any chance? You know the level of detail you're signing up for when you come on this show. I do. I'm digging deep. It's scary story time at this point. And Jeff tells the scariest story of all. Points out that if something happens to Martin, who has locked them in here, over some point over the next three days, they are fucked. Yeah, that's never a cool thing to say when you're trapped in a hole. No, I like. I, I, right away, I would not be friends with Jeff again. Aye, I mean that. What he says there goes down like a cup of cold sick amongst the group. It's uh, well, it's a bit of a Buzz Killington move, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I would immediately be like, right, well, let's just get out now. Yeah, like, let's like, just. I tell you what, let's just open. It's not raining, so let's just open the hatch door. How about that? We'll just open. The, oh no, that's right. It's locked. That's right. Thanks. Why? 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 Why, why the hell? It's no. There's no sense to. Yeah. Let's not pick at this scab. This is one yeah. of the one of the <laughs> one of the one things. I, I, like one of the big conceits of this movie is a conceit that I. You have to take a big jump for it to make because you wouldn't. You just, no, you just wouldn't. No. You, just you would wouldn't. never. You would not give. No. You would not give the responsibility to anyone except yourself. You'd be like, "Oh, is there a key required to lock this? I will have the key." Yeah. Yep. Right. yep. Let's 100%. all get copies 
So you have a copy. Uh-huh. You have a co- it's like Oprah. You have one, and you have one, and we you all have a copy. You can key. And or what we, is- or what we could do is just like put a little bit of wood, uh, <laughs> just in the mechanism, just in there, so it can't close. Yep. Ah, you're right. You're right. Though I think that like of the kind of various leaps of faith that this film does ask you to take, this is the most egregious one. Yeah, but once again, in the retelling makes sense because he sure. doesn't he doesn't oh, lock it in the retelling. Yeah. yeah. So. Once again, all the, at, the, at first, this kind of first story when you're going through, you're like, it seems like at, at the most, you're like, what if this is true? What a traumatic experience this will become. Good lord! And to be honest with you, even in the retelling, what a traumatic experience this must be for three of the four people in this hole. But yeah, like they're all still having. They're all like, that was a remember that time you told that story that scared us all shitless. No. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, let's hope that never happens. And. And then, unfortunately, it gets to the point where we're all packed, we're all ready to go. Everyone, why you would all be packed and ready to go exactly? You're teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're the last second. You know, you're like that. Oh, we're in the footman playable couch. You're still trying to find stuff. You're still <laughs> you're trying to squeeze air. <laughs> you're trying to squeeze air. <laughs> Come on, help. Everyone help with the couch. Um, yeah, but right on, right on schedule, they're all packed up. And ready every to go. single one of them. And when it turns like 30 seconds, in fact, it's not even 30 seconds, like 15 seconds over it, they're like that. Something bad's happened. Uh-huh. So it went from everything's okay to something bad's happened. And of course, this story keeps playing over of what Jeff had said. Fucking Jeff. Mm-hmm. These, these scary stories. What happens if this... And they instantly... like It's quite funny about that because they instantly... The, the buzz is gone. Like that kind of high that we're all having. Yeah, this has been the great... We'll all be friends forever. It's gone at this point. And the panic sets in. What happens if something has happened? And the rational minds try to take over... Kind of, but even the rational minds are not rational here. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and uh, shit gets dark. Yeah, aye. Um, so, in the hole at this point, they start speculating on what Martin's motives might have been to lock them in there. Uh, on the surface, Dr. Uh, Dr. Phil also speculating about the <laughs> fact that um, uh, Martin might be a sociopath. Yeah, uh, we, we see a, a hero is banging on a door that was designed to withstand nuclear blasts. <laughs> aye, yeah, yeah. Kind of a fool's end, but you've got to try something. Yeah. Um, now, I, I got the impression that this the hole is quite close to the school. It can't be that far away. I, I certainly assumed walking distance, yeah. yeah. I would imagine that the school are aware of the presence of this place. You would have like been for so. a long time, because it seems like somewhere kids might try and get into the party. Yes, yes. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> to me, for my money, that would be the first place I would look. I'm with you on that one. I, I, I kind of think, like, because we know that when she escapes at the beginning, she doesn't, we see a montage of her, but she doesn't look like she's walking that far. Plus, she's weakened, she's been trapped mm-hmm. and all that. So it can't be that far to the school. Plus, when she gets, like, when you see them going there, they're not, it's not as if they're hiking to this place. Right. Yeah, I, would like, say, I would say it's about 500 <laughs> yards away. What a bunch does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but the thing is, like, later on, we find out that they are they've come across this before. Like, she's come across this when they've been lounging around skipping classes. So must be yeah. near the school grounds. Aye. So yeah, I'm with you on this one. First place I've been thinking, do you think that maybe... What about the, the abandoned bunker? Yeah. <laughs> you are starting to make it sound like a scooby history though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just a little bit. I, I like it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I'm digging it. But yeah, you, you do get that feeling that you would think, or the police would have an idea. This is not an area that's just been found and it's not on maps or whatever. This is a place that kids hang out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's that's fair. But you're you're right. We're throwing a little bit of a Scooby Doo thing. Yeah, it's like maybe point. in the abandoned mine. Yeah. yeah. Hilariously, we learn here that Martin was uh, caught in the Dominican Republic and extradited back to the UK. This is like Julian Assange. This is he's an early Julian Assange. He was on holiday with his parents <laughs> in the Dominican Republic, <laughs> and they caught him and brought him back to face to face the the 
long arm of the law. I was really hoping they were to find him in the British Embassy in the Dominican Republic. Can't take me alive. Yeah. But no, um they they yeah, they fired him back for um for the investigation. And meanwhile, back in the hole, Liz gets into bed with Mike. She uh espouses a theory that she thinks that Martin might be watching them at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and well, uh they do some digging, some investigating. Uh, we also, like, she kind of touches on the fact that Martin's been in love with her for a really long time. Again, in the fullness side, we don't know if this is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do some investigating, and it seems as though he's bugged the place. They think they're finding microphones all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, which may or may not be true in the end. In fact, it's not. <laughs> Thanks, much. Yeah, it, it leads to, it leads to one of my favourite scenes. Like, you uh, are trapped in a home. You, I mean, things are getting serious. Food's running out, sure. and all the rest. You yep, decide yep. what you're going to mm-hmm. do is play act. Oh my god. But the worst place, no one can keep a straight face. If I was listening, I I I I, I, I love this. It's just oh, amazing. It's a ama- it's an amazing scene because on some level I'm like that you wouldn't do that, but at the same time I'm like that I would totally do that. <laughs> but like, uh, if I was listening to that, I'd be like, I am not convinced <laughs> by this performance. And in the least, yeah. Just j- just for context, so basically what they do is once they think that the place is bugged, they kind of try to play act something that makes the entire situation seem way worse than it is. So someone will go, well, so Martin presumably will be like, oh, fuck, I'm letting them out. Yeah. It plays like this. Frankie's really ill. <laughs> this is all your fault, Liz. I'm never gonna, I can't, I should never have come down here. Yeah, you, you dickhole. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about this, though, the thing, like, as much as I love this scene, it weirdly parallels what kind of happens to Frankie later on which is kind of tragic so she's horrible yeah she's playing and her fantasy her fantasy retelling which like I say will break down the the kind of big halfway twist in the the movie but uh, she's playing off real which you would imagine if you were trying to tell a lie the best lies to tell not that I'm giving anyone advice out there the best lies to tell are the ones that are kind of grounded in reality where you don't have to stretch too much of course so you can you know if you're sitting in front and oh yeah Frankie was thrown up and all the rest there's I believe about it in there because she actually was, but it's terrible. If I like, I'm, if I'm listening to that, I'm like, this is, this is the worst. Like, this is a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, what I mean? <laughs> two thumbs down from this guy. You've, although I must admit, you've touched on it now, and this didn't even occur to me. But like, see, the fact that like what is kind of played for laughs here mm. is actually kind of like in in this telling. Yeah. Is this kind of like really whimsical riff on something that was really yeah. fucking horrible yeah. in the second telling is actually like really dark and it's, really grim. It's very, very, there's, there's, like I say, I don't know once again if this movie is conscious of that mm-hmm. or if this is accidental, but if they are conscious of it, it's really clever. It's a very cool choice. I think they are. There's, yeah. there's a lot actually that happens in the original retelling that's kind of mirrored and, mm-hmm. or that she parodies in the original telling. And I actually think that's the cleverest thing that the film does. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I actually think if you if you were to go back, kind of in the same watch and, and check it out, I think yeah. you'd be quite surprised actually how much kind of how many parallels there. Are. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Liz's telling of the story, this works, and they just get out. <laughs> it's not that they just get out. They get out. She's heralded a hero for coming up with this idea. She gets a warm embrace from her beloved Mike Steele and then she saunters back fairly well dressed not in the condition we saw back to the meeting that we're in and Dr. Phil is like wow <laughs> like <laughs> uh, uh, okay uh, she's right <laughs> so so you've spent three days interrogating the room what do you have well I'm just saying uh, we've got a whopper here <laughs> 
this story is out because like she plays it off as if she's unaware that our friends have died sure. and, and yeah. truth be mm-hmm. told as it stands we don't know the full extent of how graphic things are in the whole quite yet mm-hmm. we're about to find out because she has the Dr. Phil has to go down and actually witness it yeah. but her telling is this kind of fanciful well we'll, we'll all see if I saved the day and you know Mike is now the love of my life and it was a great experience overall even if you're the audience you're like that that seems not plausible yeah, we're, just... we're very early into the runtime of this film. Like... I was just expecting it to just be like, he's just a bit like uh, Doctor Phil to be like, well, that's lovely, and then the credits just, yeah, just like, roll. Not yeah, that, and and that's when. So we get this, and they're like that. Well, maybe we shouldn't push her just now. Maybe we should try and confront her with some more evidence. How do we approach this and all the rest? Meanwhile, we've got um, DCS Howard, who's played by Steve Warrington. I'm like that. I know you. Why yeah, do I know you? On... Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. <laughs> Last of the Mohicans. Okay. Last of the Mohicans from playing a semi-major role in Last of the Mohicans to having about one minute screen time in this. Yeah. 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 Just the two scene gruff police officer. Yeah. It mm. was just like, and he's the one that's just like, no, you need to push her. And he's like, no, no, I am the brain doctor. I know what we need to do and we need to be. And at this point, we're about the same time we're going to finally sit down with Martin and I'm just going to say, Martin does not do his case well. He does not. <laughs> no, no. And I mean, it's fair to say, actually, that Martin hasn't done anything wrong, no. particularly. But he comes across like there's a, a s- fucking psychopath. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's a smugness that comes across where you would think in real life there would be a phone book across his ribs. You know right. what I mean? A couple yeah. of times. He'd let's be see getting this- one of those grabbed by the shirt collar and pounded off yeah. the desk. It's, but once, it, once I get a like. It makes sense. Why would she bring Martin into the equation here if not the fact that he's a raging psychopath? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, are you going to believe his story if he says he's not involved? Of course not. He's like, you're pinning it on the perfect patsy. Yeah, well, yeah, what yeah, I yeah, love yeah, is uh, during the incredibly sarcastic psychopath's alibi that he oh. hands out, uh, <laughs> I love when I, I, you see a lawyer just lean over and whisper something. I'm always wondering what they're whispering like. Yeah. Stop being a creepy fucker. <laughs> yeah. Please just be normal. Yeah. Like you're coming across very much like you did this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eight thirty. Woke up. Had a shit. Had a a bit of warm toast. Then got the the bus as I always do. And I'm like, oh Aye. fuck well, this guy. I don't know what you. I don't want to know what you always do. What did you do? <laughs> but, but, but a telegraph and a Kit Kat. Yeah. But Direct a, quote. a telegraph reader. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Deserves to go. To I was gonna say, I don't like yeah. that. I don't like the cat of him. That one. Shoot job. this cunt into space. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're about to get our big perspective shift uh, here. Mar- yeah, I'll see. We, uh, so we dig into Martin's telling of the story, which uh, kind of frames Liz as the villain of the piece and the whole bunker trip being her idea, or at least her and Frankie's idea. Yeah, yeah. And um, f- like it's it's time to talk about it. So uh, Frankie pitches the four-person private party to Jeff in the locker room in a room that is festooned with penis. Yeah, D- dripping with dongs. I am um, I'm in my happy place right now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 let, no, let me explain. Let me explain. Right, I am a big proponent. I've, I've always been a big proponent weirdly so that communal shivers that there should be more dick in movies I just oh, think yeah. in general I think especially in horror we're very very quick to get the tits out and everyone go Whoa, that. I think there should be balance here the The ratio in this movie leans more to the schlong than it does to the, the, the breasts yes um, but like nothing makes me happier than a good 
<laughs> this sounds really bad. Do not isolate this. Nothing makes me happier than a good cock shot in a movie. Like that, I, I really do. Maybe next to cock trauma in a movie. You're like, cock trauma, okay. cock shot. Makes me a happy guy. I'm the sort of guy that likes happiness and slavery by Nine Inch Nails and what that. Uh-huh. Like, can we get can we get like a needle in there as well to the gym? Like, I'm just, I know, everyone's wincing in the room for the It's fair to say yeah. that mine and Mi- me and Mitch have uh, raised eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like I, what I love about this is like the first thing we get is like in um, the retelling Thora Birch is not the I'm the you know the standard she's actually part of the harem she's part of the clique and the girls at the school she's, she's a, a hellraiser she, she's like a partial goth um, and then um, <laughs> non-committal yeah, goth yeah she's non-committal goth she's kind of like, weekend goth <laughs> Like, like casual goth you know yeah. like, smart casual goth so she's like this idea is like it's pitched on the same thing that she'll she'll get Jeff you'll get Mike everything's going to be great we're going to get lots of booze and drugs in the retail oh end. yeah I'm like things have switched now the garage soundtrack makes sense yeah so what was missing before we instantly become an urban welsh montage scene um <laughs> like this scene here directed by but we get like when we walk in we get the kind of right all the guys are like, oh fuck sake frankie like as frankie just walks through a hallway festooned with cock and um it's it's a glorious it's a glorious scene i'm, I'm not gonna like i'm i don't know if you can hear him smiling listeners but Fair i really so. am I, I am over the moon about this and I think at the time period as well. I think also Britain. If this was an American movie, no way, no, no chance, yeah, no absolutely chance. no way. And on an extent, even the fact it's a British movie, I'm still thinking kind of on the side of, you know, this is a questionable scene. And the fact we spend like we ha- we linger over the penis. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and in the shot, uh, there's no good way to come out of this. No, I th- point. I'm going to stop. I, I, I think that I think that. Mitch, we need your measured response to get us away from Help the, me, please. To get I, us out of this uh, dick hole that we're in. I think that... <laughs> I think that the point you're making is good, though. Yeah. I think that, like, you're Agreed, right. very much yeah. so. Yeah. I, I, I also agree that uh, if you're going to put tits and fanny in, stick some cock and balls yeah. in. Yeah. yeah, plus this is a public school as well, and I kind of think that's... From the stories we hear about public schools, that's just how public schools kind of are. Just gearing up for a game of sticky biscuit. Oh, yeah, no. for Christ's sake. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so, at this point, um, we fast forward to kind of like the party in the hole. And this is like a proper... This is the party you would expect not from Thorough Birch's original story. Like, Lizzie's original story, it's like, we all went down there, we had bangers and mash, eh, sang Kumbaya and told ghost stories. And this one's like a party party. There's fairy lights about the place, rave sticks. Banging some hash. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know drugs. <laughs> Banging some hash. Uh, but uh, I do know drugs. Yeah. I know drugs quite well. So they're, but they're, they're, they're having a good time. They're, the booze is flowing, the music's going and all the rest. But what is very, very clear is Mike is not interested. Steel is not interested in what has been... Mike Steel's an amazing name. It is. It kind, really is. <laughs> yeah, it is the most American of American names. Yeah, like, Mike's really, power. <laughs> like, <laughs> power's his middle name. Uh, but he's... Um, they're getting... They're, you know, in the midst of things. And uh, Frankie is promiscuous. As, yeah. That's a nice word. Jeff's got a tux, see the one. J- Jeff may be overdressed. <laughs> but, yeah. like, like, For three days in the <laughs> hole. <laughs> After the tenth day, you're yeah. going to start feeling like a bit of a dick yeah. in your tuxedo. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> shouldn't, maybe shouldn't have brought the waistcoat as well. <laughs> 
See, just just before we come out of this, I have to talk about when we're watching them partying. I immediately said this to Andy. It was like the music is playing while they're dancing. It's like this is obviously what you do when you can't get the rights to Sandstorm by mm. Darude. Mm. <laughs> totally, totally. This is this is the one that on the fly like that. No one told me I had to direct a party scene. Yeah. Shit. Uh, uh, what do you mean I can't get the rights? Because uh, uh. it's like it's just it, it's it's just Sandstorm with just the right amount of notes changed, so you yep. can't get sued. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I think it's really, really funny. You mean like the theme of Colobos? Like the theme of Colobos, sound like the theme of Suspiria, yeah. Exactly that. It's at this point that I think things start getting a little bit weird, now knowing what we know about Kira Knightley. Yes. Yeah, um, pretty unsettling stuff here, as um, a 15-year-old Kira Knightley is forcibly undressed by two adult men. Can a 25-year-old actor put his hands between a 15-year-old girl's legs? I certainly think it's frowned upon, Andy. <laughs> But they're going, they're fair going for it. Yeah, it's it's this. I mean, I have some questions about how this entire thing plays out, knowing what we know. And she definitely was fifteen. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mm-hmm. feel there should be some sort of weird con- like, like a disclaimer at the start or something. It's not uncommon in in kind of British films. Was that seventies um, Hammer movie? Um, Christopher Lee. Uh, to the Devil a Daughter has, I think, uh, the the actress in that one's fourteen years old and she gets naked. So there is there is a. Th- I want to. I want to say that the actors and all the rest, there's course, a level yeah, of that. Sure. But when you are simulating sex, that's where I think the problem comes. And a dry in. fingering. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to. No, I can't. I was. I talked about dick for a while. There, no, so like, it's only fair. It's only fair. But it, it does feel like to me that you tell me that shocks me because it's not just that we have that sex scene. The scene right after it, she does flash. She does take her top down. Yeah. She does. So it's not even just that we're getting the simulated sex practice on the couch. We then get a topless shot of a 15-year-old, which is problematic. It's problematic. Yeah, I, I would yeah, say yeah. so. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I'm Can, surprised. That, I mean, that to Jackie me is, said something. Jackie, my wife, said something when we were watching it, um, where she had heard that there was some disclaimer signed or something. There, there maybe is. But I was like, a disclaimer against the law? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if there is a, a particular thing that, it, you know, there, there's a, with a certain age, signed by parent, parental consent or whatever. Um, but I, it's weird that Kira Knightley would do that then in her career. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she yeah, was on the cusp of pretty big things yeah. there. Though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, where, where she's went to as an actress, it's a strange choice. Especially, I mean, Thorbach is never getting tits out in a movie. She does in American Beauty. She, she does, does in Damn yeah. It. Fuck! So she does. Yeah. So that's the obvious Sorry, choice. Sorry, I, I Mr. Skinned that. I answered you instantly just now. You, you, you answered that scarily fast. <laughs> that's why I'm here, lads. Yeah, I'm here. He knows where everybody yeah. gets the tits so. <laughs> But it's not. I think, I think you're right. It's his great strength. I, th- I think you're right. I think there's there is a, there's a weirdness to that scene now in hindsight thinking about oh, that. Oh, definitely. Um, I actually um, forgot. I remembered that Keira Knightley gets a gets yeah, her boobs out. Right? The, yeah, it was one of my. But what I didn't remember is exactly how hypersexualized her performance is with yeah. with those two guys, yeah, where she's like on the verge of like a, a kind of threesome with these guys before yep. Thora Birch and uh, kind of intervenes in it. Yes, but yeah, I mean that they are. I mean it's. Uh, oh yeah, she's 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 erotically dancing for. That Most was quite awkward because oh, yeah. she's. I, I don't think personally. I don't think she's particularly sexy. I don't think she's, and, uh, and I, I, yeah, yeah I, I think there's always been that issue, like, like throwing a caveat about 15 Mitch years. Mitch is literally sitting with his head in his hands. Like, if we, we throw it, like, I, yeah, I see, I see what you're, I do see what you're saying. It, it's a weird, it, it's a kind of deviation. But then 15 year olds aren't sexy, so. No, it, this thanks is true. for clearing yes. that up. That, that, yes. 
if this show has taught you anything, listener. That was the sentence I was looking for. Thank you. That's that's your disclaimer at the start of your episode this week. Uh, so, oh, fuck. yeah. So, um, aye. So, but it's like she she kind of she kind of leads them. Once again, there's and we'll get to the very end where I think about specific. There's a kind of 90s gender politics in the way this story is told. Specific when you think of movies like Hand That Rocks a Cradle yeah. or Fatal Attraction. Are Basic you, Instinct. Basic Instinct. This, yeah, this idea that the you know it's obviously the woman and not the guy because mm-hmm. women are you know the the predators and all. There's a there's a there's a kind of clear pitch towards that, but they play it off that she's maybe distracting the attention away. Thora Butch gets she gets a bit handsy, a bit grabby. And um, her way of stopping what's happening here is that she fucks Steele's head off a wall. I've got yeah, I, I <laughs> she like grabs his hair. She's like an excellent intervention. No, like it's the it's the kind of it's the kind of adult equivalent of rolling up a newspaper and tapping a dog's nose and saying no. <laughs> um, and that that kind of puts a dampener in everything. Frankie zips back up, and Mike's at this point with that. You know what? Maybe Elizabeth isn't the most yeah. stable person to be around. And, and Jeff yeah. Jeff bemoans his uh, his erection going unused. Yeah, but <laughs> Mikey tries to get out of dodge at this point as well, though. He's like, he's he's just like, it's time for me to go. I've had enough. Yeah. And in this telling of the story, it's only at this point that they realise that they have been locked in. Yes. Because he because he he goes to kind of uh, to try and go, and it's only then that they come across that information. At this point, it's on the outside that we discover that there were no microphones in there. Of course, yeah. And uh, they, they all decide to turn on Liz, uh, suddenly concerned with parental reprisal, because they're like, yes. uh, my mum's going to be looking for me, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Yeah. yeah. I would be like that, there's not enough food, and the water is scarce, maybe we should, no, they're like, full on, full on, you know, outcome could be grounded, this is not going to look good, you know, wait till the school finds it, we'll get expelled. What they don't know is they will be expelled forever. Uh, which is a sad state of affairs in this movie. Expelled from life. <laughs> um, it sounds like an 80s goth album. It, it really also does. sounds it's like a tagline for a film that, that like you would do in Mitch's pitches. Yeah. Like something with a like something that's got like, like some sort uh, of high school slasher thing or something yeah, yeah. expelled from life. Um, yeah, but on the surface, evidence tying Martin to this is running dry. <laughs> um, with, with as the microphone thing kind of fades from view, I think it's really funny at this point because Liz is kind of convalescing from this experience in some rural mansion or other. I think it's supposed to be her home, right? Her stately home. I think home. it's supposed to be her home. I um, think it's really funny when she's just kind of kind of out here minding her own business, and then uh, Martin shows up furious because he thinks that he's getting framed for something, and then this incredibly bougie uh, foot chase sequence happens yeah. across this massive garden. Yep, and then along by a weir. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This is this is the this is the. What was the, that? Along by a what? A weir. What's that? It's body water. All right. I don't have yeah. reservoir. Oh, okay, fine. That's also fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Carry on, lads. Right, right. Carry on. Words. We'll, call, um, we'll, call, we'll just call that a wheel then, won't we? <laughs> but yeah, so you get this kind of this chase along there, and we don't see what happens to Martin, but you're long in a tooth as an audience by now that you kind of know something bad happens yeah. here. Because when um, Dr. Phil arrives... Dr. fucking Phil. Uh, Dr. fucking Phil, and sees a smashed vase, um, she's like, oh... It's a no. cookie jar. Is that a cookie jar? I believe, yeah. So yeah and I, I, jar. I was obviously, I was obviously <laughs> lamenting the fallen cookies mm-hmm. yep. uh, more that's than a, anything else. I think that's why it. I picked up on it. Yep. It's a central tragedy. <laughs> no! <to> you, Sandy. <laughs> yeah. 
Not the king. You can't eat them now. You bitch. You got that bitch. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's she's like, listen, right, there's something not quite right here. And somehow, somehow Elizabeth manages to talk the, well, doesn't really have to persuade much, the experimental doctor of taking her back to the hole. Yeah. Which I would be like that. Maybe this isn't a good idea. That seems an incredibly yeah. risky manoeuvre. I, I agree. I agree. And what we what you realise later on is that is the case. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is, the, this is you know, that 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 thing that you're thinking about straight away. That ping that you get right in your stomach where you're like, maybe this that is that's yeah, you should go with that. Yeah. Well, I think it's fair to say that Liz at this point is coming across as incredibly unhinged. Yes. And I think the eagle-eyed viewer might be able to kind of see where this is going from this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, we're, yeah, we're back in the hole, this time with Liz and Dr. Phil, and um, in flashback, we realised that the door was locked from the inside all along. Yes. Liz had the key this entire time. And she, what what seems like, well, she basically keeps moving the goalposts. She seems yeah. to think if they stayed in there long enough to the point that, at first it's for Mike to fall in love with her, then it's for Mike to sleep with her. And, like, <laughs> it keeps dropping down a notch, you know what I mean? Let's talk about this plan. It's like, not this is very... an incredibly elaborate plan to make somebody fall in love with you. Remarkably risky. Yep. Like, why not just do what everybody does when they want to fall in love with someone and lie to them? Yes. Like that's yep. that's all it takes yep. is a web of lies, and you'll be fine. Yeah, just you make, just just make him a mixtape. Yeah, you don't need <laughs> you don't need to lock them here. I mean, just for you. You don't need to lock them in a dark oubliette. Like in oh. the, in the, in the <laughs> like till that they're at the verge of death, and then when they're fucking rancid and they've got skunk dick. Then you fuck them. Yeah, it's, it's not a very well thought out plan, right. to be honest. But anyone would think that the plan wasn't the product of a rational mind. Well, it's the, <laughs> the fact that like we, you really now get the idea of how much she romanticizes <laughs> things in general. Though. Yes. So that flowery telling at the start about you know how they all spoke to each other and all the rest mm-hmm. is actually played out here by her perception of what is actually happening. She sees everything through this kind of this weird veil of things will be kind of all right and they're not as bad as they are. And she's very manipulative. At first, she starts to cry, which gets them all (laughs) on board and then things start playing on. Meanwhile, the water runs out and they're reduced to drinking toilet water, which... is fucking gross. Grimmy F. That's all I'm saying. It's very, very... Very discoloured. Uh, it's, 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 the whole thing is just. I horrible. find it very unsettling. Yeah, yeah. You're moving it to this where the and of course Jeff happens to be a medical student, so he's breaking this down at day four. This will happen if this starts. Like, like he starts breaking down, which is the last thing. I'd be like, here. shut the fuck up, Jeff. At the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning, where you're like that, right? We only have four containers of water in front of us now. Listen, guys, we're all going to die a horrible death. <laughs> so let's maybe not drink the piss coloured water in front of us right I'm just saying take it easy it looks good just now you want to drink you don't want to drink because uh, your legs are gonna you're gonna get delirious and he spells it it's the worst thing I'll, it sounds fucking <laughs> absolutely horrifying I love uh, the fact that through the lens of both unreliable and reliable narrators in both iterations of the story Jeff is a giant buzzkill because in the first one <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the first one he was like oh, what happens if Martin like dies and we're locked in here forever and at this point it's like oh our water's run out so everyone sit in a circle while I cheerily recover the medical implications and, of water deprivation like our food drinking as soon as he started down that road you would you would shut yeah. that off you'd be like Jeff we don't need to fucking hear that we're aware that we're in a precarious He's position a, exactly, exactly giant buzzkill with a giant penis uh, let's be honest we saw earlier on right the shower wasn't cold sure or maybe it was I don't let's, know but you know like Jeff just shush 
take your trousers off. Let's talk about. Is that just me? Is that just me? I have to applaud Mike uh, and Jeff here for mm. their uh, sexual prowess given the situation. I would find it incredibly hard to focus on coitus. Uh, you, uh, you're saying that you don't want when there's like limited water, you don't want to expel fluids. I really, I, I really don't want to be blasting out like, the last of my juices. Uh, just come out like a puff of smoke. Stuff of talcum powder. A dust cloud, yeah. <laughs> oh, but also like, <laughs> I think a bat flew out of there. They would yeah. fucking stink. Okay. They would absolutely yeah. fucking stink. Everything about everything about the sex scenes that I have here is just it all. It's all just coated in this thick layer of grime. It's yeah. revolting. Yeah. And then, but the counter of that is if if you are trapped there, and these might be the last days of your. Ever had sex in a public toilet? There is that. There is that. <laughs> I mean, no. No. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, try, I, won't, I, I won't continue down this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, there you go. That. Uh, Keep that image continue. in your mind. Um, but yeah, so things start to take a really bad turn as we realise very quickly that Frankie is ill. Weirdly as enough. fuck. Yeah, well, aye, because she has now got... Remember when we were talking earlier on about the fake fix, the sick sims and all the rest? Well, she was kind of playing off the fact that Frankie's like on death's door. And I'll give it to her credit, like, there's not... Oh, you've made films. You've made films that some people would say <laughs> yeah, huh, are huh. at times horrific. Yeah, like that. Thanks very much. Like, yeah. What I love about the scene is that not a lot done to her here, really. No, 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 no. But it's a lot of it's just mind like that. You're stuck in there. That's what you've had to drink. You're already kind of feeling, feeling a bit squeamish already, and then you see her head down this yeah. clearly the whole, horrible toilet. The whole set design here just adds to how disgusting it is because yeah. that toilet is rank. Yeah, like it's like green slime trickling down it and all that. Yeah, it's man. not. It's not. A, it's, it's not. not. It's not any. Yeah, and like at this point, you realise that you're sitting there going, "Well, she's got the key." Yeah, I don't even like riding I, the porcelain bus in my old my, in my own house. Yeah, <laughs> but like, no, you're right. Though. She's got the key though, and this is her best friend. You know what I mean? Like you've got the key, and she. I've got a secret. I said, oh no! Don't you know? <laughs> no, Andy. But she's like she. There's one of a few times in this movie that, in the retelling, her retelling, that she almost gives up the, the key. She yeah. almost goes as far as to do it, and this is about the like. I don't think she does it here. Actually, I think it's. No. Which is the weirdest bit, because later on it's just a kind of, well, maybe we could just go, but our best friend's dying, and it's not just a case that our friend's our best friend dies, our best friend dies, and it's fucking horrific. It really is. It really is. Yeah, yeah it really it's really horrible. Gross. Yeah. And I think that, like, after she dies, there's this really well-timed uh, jump back to the present day where you have her, the actual circumstances yes. of her death described in surgical detail. Yeah. And when that happens, you're just like, Fuck, that sounds absolutely horrible. Yeah. Like, it's uh, the, the whole way that they jump to that and back yeah. is re- it's really it's re- good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Because she's heard this before she's went down the hole. So she's now getting there. Right, I know that you're telling the truth because that's mm. what I've been told from the, the women in the morgue. So there's now three. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not think, for long. Things are getting... This is one of the This is one of the more... Kind of like We're talking about like the whole end of this movie is a fucking harrowing scene. Because of all the things to die for... Um, and it's never really explicitly... Part of me thinks Jeff did know this was here. Right. The reason I think that is he goes for the... He waits for them to be at the room and then he goes for the bag and he opens the... Right, part of me thinks maybe he was being a survivalist at this point, but you knew your girlfriend was through there dying. So what is going on here? Because he, she's about to give him the key. She's about to give Mike the key and say, listen, 
I fucked up. Yeah. Here's the key. Right, let's get out of here. And she's about to do it, and uh, Jeff opens a can of Coke. Of all the fucking things yeah. to die for. To, no, to open. All right. <laughs> like, there's no secretive way to open a no. can of Coke in no. an echoey stone you chamber. You cough. You cough. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like the, the, the only thing worse would be like crisps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> Smoky <laughs> bacon. He was just sitting in the ground. <laughs> but he, he opens this and of course uh, Elizabeth can't open her hand in time Mike like instantly knows what isn't that seems like a can of coke uh, goes through there makes a beeline for Jeff swings him to the ground and then beats his head off the ground to death to death yeah smashes yeah. his head open like a watermelon what over what, a can of coke. What, what I think is funny is like, see, like you say when he opens the can I think it's inherently kind of funny because like the way you see him opening he's it like, and then you get this zoom in on his face and it's just this total like uh, oh, he's kind of crouched, like, crouched down like Gollum uh, as well he's like the precious, <laughs> the precious. Uh, yeah he gets he gets his head panned in and um, of course at this point you know Mike's now it's a shell of a man. This is where I actually think he's um, bereft. Yeah, Desmond Harrington actually pulls in a, a better performance here at the very end. Because yeah. it does look genuinely <laughs> fucked. And his, his wig gets mental though towards the end. Like, yeah. His wig gets even worse Why? Uh, as the film progresses. Because he's about to he's about to find out the ultimate betrayal. Um so yeah, we cut back to the morgue scene and uh-huh. like that. Well, this one didn't die of you know natural causes. See his Bobby again. Yeah. <laughs> we do. <laughs> uh, Swoon. Um, no, this one, this one actually was murdered. Yeah. So we're, we're tying those two things in. Oh, the fact that it cuts back to the boy with the, the half smashed heat, and it's like, I don't think this this one died in natural causes. Yeah. Like, do you think he did? Then no, like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> something says I'm no scientist. But um, so yeah, so now we're we're on the home stretch. Um, she's kind of making her last stab here. He kind of shows a bit of tenderness towards her. Or does yeah. he? Well, I don't think he does. Yeah, because yeah, this I is the question. You have to question he... any of this, yeah. actually, how much still, of it... still yeah. her retelling, and she's yeah. already proved herself at least once to be an unreliable narrator. The note I just threw to the ground says, Mike tells her he loves her. Fucking lame. And yeah. then I was like, but wait, of course. He might yeah. not. He might if, not if, he hasn't, yeah. if he has not told her that he loves her, everything that's happened in here has been a failure. So her retelling of the story is that he did. Yeah, that's because... she's obviously going to install that as the end. Yeah, because because then she was right. What she did was mm-hmm. justified uh-huh. in a weird fucked up way. But she waits for him to fall asleep. She climbs up the ladder and unlocks the door. And this is the worst thing you can like. We, like you don't see you opened it with a key. You say I just tried it and it was unlocked. You know, like <laughs> did someone did someone lock us down here? I don't know what's going on. You like, like I've just went up here and it's unlocked. You do anything except hold the key and go with the key. And he's like, oh, <laughs> bitch must die. Oh, you motherfucker! That's, <laughs> I, that's that... as bad as I can go. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he screams at. He says, like, I murdered your best friend. Died. It. I murdered my friend over a can of coke. And you're yeah. like, yeah, that's that's what's weighing on this guy's shoulders, eh, amongst other things, yeah, uh, lack of food and uh, and water and all the rest. And the way, there is no remorse in what she's. That's the worst thing about it. That's the bit where you realise she truly is a monster. Yeah. Um, is there is no... You you understand this for us. You know, all, the, all this thing. And he's like, I don't ask for this. You know what I mean? We'll be down here with you. Um, and he decides he's going to come after her. Once again, maybe not the best idea considering she's up there with the key. Could climb out and lock the... But we're not getting to that. Yeah. So, which is originally what I... 
had falsely remembered the ending being. Well, that he gets he gets locked in. Yeah, that he just died right, okay. of like, just died just like yeah. dehydration. Yeah, as, yeah. As and that's how I had remembered it. So would not have grudged that for an ending. Yeah, because the ending that we get here is a bit on the dumb side. Yes, it's very dumb because we have to get that one last kill in there, which is him climbing up a ladder, which is already not very secure. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen that as he's been climbing up and down. Uh-huh. It snaps. He falls down and he's impaled on the ladder. On yeah. the ladder. There's a lot of... Uh, by the ladder, rather, which yep. which stands up very quickly. For some strange reason. There's a lot of um, very Final destination close-ups of the rickety hinges of the yes. rope ladder right yeah. before this happens. Yeah. I would have just prepared them to die from the fall. I mean, yeah. to me, that's a more believable thing than, yeah. the, than just chucking in this... Yeah, the impalement thing's a weird choice. Yeah, the kind of gore gag that they chuck in, then I I think it looks pretty goofy when the ladder's just sticking up very clearly. It it doesn't make, because we've seen them climb up and down the ladders all the way through this, and that's not how they are. At the worst, you're going to get a bad bruise. You know, that's really it. Or even if the ladders fall down on top of them and he's no way out. Yeah, or yeah, even if he, like, you know all, what I mean? all yeah. those things are fine. Yeah, yeah. Broke, so if he fell and like fucked his leg or broke his leg, yeah. and then he was stuck down there, that's yeah. a great way to go. Or if yeah. he fell down the big weird hole in the middle of the floor, yeah, and you would you would literally be you'd be ending the movie like Saw before Saw came out. Yeah, yeah. three years before Saw came out. Yeah, but yeah, so ultimately he's dead, and then she's climbed out, and that's where we've come into the movie. Which once again, when you think in hindsight how this movie started, she's dishevelled. She makes her way to the phone mm-hmm. calmly. Dials a number and then screams. It's yeah. obviously for effect. Uh-huh. And now we're really in the last five minutes of this movie. Right, She's yeah, confessed yeah. everything. Um, yeah, you really get the full. You really get the full uh, view of kind of how unhinged she is because, like, when he dies, you kind of think that it's like, okay, this entire thing is a waste of your time. Yeah. Like, like you know, like everything you've been striving for is now a waste. And when she's like relaying this to Doctor Phil. Instead of talking about it as being this kind of tragedy, it's what she kind of pivots to this kind of like, oh, he this way he never grows old, he never cheats on me, he stays perfect. That's yeah. fucking really horrible. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. like that's really creepy. Yeah, and yeah. and then yeah, she's kind of like trying to get her to make a statement. She won't do that. Of course, because thing. she's 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 like that. Why would that? Why would I do? Yeah. Why would they do that? And she's like, no, you need to. Though. You need why to. the fuck <laughs> didn't when the cops turn up? Why didn't that? psychologist woman starts screaming she fucking did it she yeah, just told me yeah, exactly yeah, how yeah. she fucking did it why would i lie well, one, one of us here is a medically trained professional yeah. with certificates on the, the wall the other one is a, a girl who we found out is kind of unhinged uh-huh. um you know what i mean it, it, it doesn't make any sense but basically because she's tried this experimental therapy earlier on and because she's brought her into the hole as perceived by the police officer he's like what the fuck are you doing yeah. you've brought her down here this is you know this is gross negligence all the rest and of course elizabeth plays into the oh she dragged me down here back into the kind of master manipulator oh, and fuck the movie ends in a, a surprisingly bleak way. Maybe not so much because I'm I'm trying to think of this time period and we were already moving in this time period, 2001 onwards, we we're moving into the not-so-happy endings. Yeah, the yeah. Slinger ending. Yeah, yeah we're kind of getting them... Um, this is on the cusp of, actually, on the cusp of the wave of it coming right through, which we would get pretty much in every movie for the next five years. Um and so, yeah, ultimately, the movie ends with her being kind of cuddled by police uh, as the doctor is like, no. Oh, I'm what? guessing perhaps doctor-patient confidentiality would stop her from saying it. She, she probably shouldn't, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and ultimately you realise that, because she asks as well, she's like, that. listen, we know that, like, we'll just get Martin to confess, and she's like that. Martin's not confessing and then we don't actually get to see Martin get flung off the weir, uh, but what happens is we know he did. Um, yeah. 
We so see the body yeah, getting yeah. recovered. Yeah, we see the body. So there's no... It looks like he's committed suicide as well, and she planted the key on him, which is just like... Yeah. Know, has this all been some master plan? Has she been the grand manipulator all along, or did things kind of become fortunate in certain positions? Did yeah. she ever mean what she said at the beginning? Like, like, Or was this like part of the the overarching plan and that's how your movie finishes on some kind of weird industrial tech music playing in the background as yeah. your kind of seven-esque sort of credits start yeah. blurring in and out and yeah that's the hole <laughs> and that is the hole we're out we're out of the hole <laughs> we're out of the hole <laughs> what I've written here actually I think we've I think we've got a, a couple of notes I don't often write notes um like ever. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do that um, and like my, my, my kind of plot points overall for this movie is that there's a very young, talented cast here. Most of them went on to do bigger things, and I would argue better so. things uh-huh. like, yeah. to, to, to an extent. Um, I've said the end reveal is more ridiculous than the original telling of the story. Because her original one is, you know, we're in there, we pretend, and we get out, and you're like, that's pretty far-fetched. And then you see how things actually went yeah. down, and you're like, oh, that's fairly far-fetched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's, I like it, though. Yeah, apparently it was based on a book. I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's, um, it's uh, based on a book called After the Hole. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, <laughs> easy now. Yeah, yeah. Just just the, yeah, I, was, I mean, I don't think I don't, <laughs> the jokes write themselves. So, but, um, yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that the the ending that is presented to us as the fact is considerably sillier than the, the already one. far-fetched fake one that yeah, we get yeah. at the midpoint. Yeah, because you you'd have to imagine that even it's like you said, even at the end of this, as the credits pull away the very responsible adult doctor is like that and I'll listen. <laughs> I might not have it recorded, but she's literally just told me all this stuff and use the evidence, use your brain, this corroborates it and, you know, Elizabeth goes away for a bit of time. But I, weirdly, even coming back to watching it, I just enjoy, I enjoy the journey of this movie. It's, right. It is very much a kind of tale of two halves um, in that I think the acting is infinitely better in the second half than it is in the first half. But what I like about the movie is how grim it gets ahead of the wave of really grim British movies and American movies yeah. we get. And it's, it's weirdly, so I was saying it's weird like a place. It's kind of touching a lot of subject matter you're getting in the 90s, specifically with those kind of femme fatales in movies. So it's kind of carrying that over. It's setting it in a teen environment, which by 2001 had pretty much run its course. Yeah. We'd had that kind of post-scream sort of craze. Yeah. Um, it kind of weirdly plays off this idea of being trapped in the woods, no one being able to help you. So there's a bit of Blair Witch in Blair there without the found footage, which once again is, is removed three years from Blair Witch. And 2001 is when like everyone's starting to go, like, have you seen that movie Audition? You're like, So people are already taking their attention off it. So it's a weird out of time movie and I think that's probably why it struggled. I think it comes out when people are like, oh well, without even seeing it, that's oh, another group of teenagers, I don't know, i watch yeah, that movie now, yeah. I want to watch something else. And it's a shame. It's not the best. The cinematography is actually the one thing I think doesn't hold up all that well. The set design's pretty cool, but yeah, the cinematography I, has yeah, a really no kind of like a nineties TV show sort of feel at times. I, I think it's really got weird. an ITV four vibe. It like, definitely yeah. feels like a like a police procedural, yeah. like kind of like uh, Midsummer Murders or something. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I, once again, you come back to you watch it and you're like that. Like if there was there's occasionally the movies you hear about where English production, so English money or whatever. No, this is clearly shot and paid for in the UK because you can tell yeah, all the way through it and absolutely. the huge UK crew and all the rest um, but it's a surprisingly solid movie which comes at a time period where a lot of these movies around that era that deal with similar sort of subject matter do not hold up 
as well. They've become a bit campier, a bit twee. This one, surprisingly, still is mm-hmm. dark enough to hold itself. And I, I applaud its grim ending. I, like, I, yeah. I, I really like that because that's not the ending you were getting. You were usually getting the killer comes back at the end and you don't get that. Um, yeah. It's nihilistic as fuck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nihilistic as fuck. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think as... as um, Hi, I'm, I'm glad. Well, this is the first time I've watched this movie in about four years. Right. And it was on the list of movies I gave you, but it wasn't one of the initial ones. But I'm glad you picked it because of the ones which I was pivoting towards, which I'll, maybe I'll come back on a third visit and do one of those <laughs> slightly weirder ones. Uh, but th- from those ones, I think it's a really good example of the ethos of what you're talking about. The movies that maybe do get a hard time that are worth yeah, revisiting. All that are really underseen. Yeah, and I yeah. think I would say that I, I would definitely class The Hole as being one of those kind of underseen films or certainly mm. certainly underappreciated or just forgotten. Aye. Maybe even uh, more than underseen or underappreciated, kind of forgotten. Um, I, I mean, I came out the other side of this really not sure what I thought of it and I can feel myself warming up to it as we talk about it. And I think that straight off the back of it, kind of like my cold first reaction was that loads of it didn't make sense. And then I think as we've reasoned <laughs> through a lot of it here, I kind of understand how many of the questions that I had in the first half mm. are kind of answered by the events of the second half. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting film. I don't think it's... I, like, I think that there's, there's a lot of things about it that I, that I think are kind of off-putting, some of which are intentional and some of which aren't. But I think that it's it's worth going back to. Like, be interesting to see how many other listeners get an accidental Keira Knightley boob bone oh, before I'm they t- realise that she's fifty. Right now, I did not know. I've went I've went almost twenty years not knowing that Keira Knightley was fifteen in this movie. I kind of feel you like look shook. I kind of feel like I would have known that. You know what I mean? I kind of feel like. I kind of feel like more would have been said about it. Yeah, I kind of feel like in the UK of all yeah, places. I'm surprised. I don't. I don't remember any. No. significant who no. about that no um, it would explain maybe the limited release on perhaps on, on distribution I always put it down to the fact that it didn't perform well in cinemas but it might actually be cut back because of that so there you go something that I kind of wish I'd fact check before we came in I think you're right there's now something I'm, it sounds like something that couldn't be you know what I mean? You know what we can always rely on as listeners to come and tell us <laughs> even if she was sixteen. Stories. Even if she was sixteen, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. You no, know what I mean? mean, like I think no, yeah, I mean, Desmond Harrington was twenty-five. Yeah, well, I hear. Um, and the other guy looked even older. I would yeah, say he didn't. He, he's weirdly as another actor who did bit parts, but yeah. never really. But you can see the. I mean, you can see why Keira Knightley went on oh, to I, bigger I, things I, anyway, I, and she's very much typecast in a lot of specific roles. It's not all those pirate movies that I won't watch, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean. She's done all that, but she's she does. I think she does historical stuff better yeah. than, than this kind of stuff. And, uh, and she's, she's my biggest issue in the film yeah. actually, because I don't think she's particularly strong. No, I'm just I'm just looking at this now. We'll find out. We will find it. We'll clear it up. Aye. We'll put it over to the listeners and they can clarify it. They can come to us with the facts and the sure. law and whatever whatever we need to know. Yeah. But uh, no, I think this is an interesting pick. I uh, I don't know how long it would have taken me to go back to this had you not mentioned it. Yeah. It's interesting because it's probably like too eccentric to fit in with the kind of high school stuff mm-hmm. that was going on at the time. And like you said, that was kind of fizzling out anyway. Yeah. And uh, it's just a little bit too left of centre to really ride the wave of anything else. Yeah. It came, this movie's, what, this is a year after Blair Witch 2 right. um, which is like the kind of American version of the whole 
if you if you imagine it being a group of teenagers who get a bit wild and all the rest, and you believe one one side of a narrative that finds it is not the same narrative in hindsight. And I've got an affinity for those sort of like there's a mm-hmm. and I say like that time period for me was when I was working in a video store and all all these videos were coming in. I was just like, I'll take this one home. I was watching <laughs> a huge amount of horror my horror knowledge comes from that time period mm-hmm. not only those movies but older movies and it was always one of those ones that i seen and I was like why did that I don't think I don't even think we've we've kind of worked out here why it just never became as big as it was but on paper this film should have been a lot bigger and I imagine they probably gambled it was going to be and it has been slightly condemned to the, the annals of obscurity yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest the biggest draw with this film was always going to be Thor a Birch mm. at this time anyway. And uh, I think, I don't know if people maybe thought that actually Thor a Birch wasn't much to be gambling on. The thing about her is she's she's a very quirky actress and I like her in some stuff. I will never say that she is like an amazing actress. She's brilliant in American Beauty. I don't mind her in this. Ghost World. And she's fine in this. But she's... I wish she'd kept an American accent. I agree. Because I don't think she's a bad actress by, yeah. by any stretch, but not a great English woman. Mm, no. And I, and I think that when I think that when you have somebody kind of affecting an accent that isn't great, I think that it's really difficult to see the wood for the trees with yeah. anything else about a performance. Mm. And I think that that probably definitely like that definitely is kind of part of the it's, game, it's, I think. It's a two-way street. We have Thora Birch over here doing a bad English accent and Americans now have Gerard Butler trying to do an American accent in about Fuck 70 you. movies. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, only, only to be surpassed by Degree Scott uh, trying to do an American accent as well. It's a glorious time to be a Scott. mealy mouth cunts. <laughs> yeah, the worst, the worst. <laughs> Mitch, would you recommend people to watch the whole? Sure, yeah, go check it out, see what you think. I Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah, okay. well, yeah you? Sweet. Yeah, go on a look. <laughs> take a look at it. Yeah, definitely take a look. Uh, there's actually some pretty interesting stuff in here. Yeah, uh, and totally I would agree. be inclined to watch it again just to see exactly how much kind of parallels between both versions of the story. Yeah, um, I agree. I would say go and check it out. No harm in watching it. Yeah, definitely. It's a weird one, and it, I, like I say, it's forgotten. So, And if you accidentally wind up watching Joe Dante's Hole, no harm done. Cause it's no, it's a great movie. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Duncan, by the time this airs, this will be kind of the back end of April. You've had an insane month on the podcast on the stairs. Yeah, uh, I was saying to you guys before I started, uh, this month has weirdly become a 24-episode month. Um, that is fucking insane. That is lunacy. So, yeah. um, we get people telling us, fucking hell, two episodes a week? That's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and incidentally, I get most people telling me that I'm, I'm putting out too much. I'll quite off, I'll quite off. But you know what it's like? like, like when you... There's so much stuff that like horror so big just now. There's so much oh, stuff to talk mm-hmm. about, and it's, you want to talk about all the old stuff and all the new stuffs coming out. We're getting at least one to two large horror movies in the cinema every month this year, mm-hmm. and it's going to get crazier towards the end of the year. So yeah, I just want to thank you guys for inviting me on for your fiftieth. Oh, it feels fucking great. Well, we're, we're glad to have uh, somebody that we love having on joining us for our, our one year anniversary. I, I mean, I'll come back now. I'd, I'd like there's there's a there's a I was working on a list after the list. Um, it turns out, <laughs> it turns out I like a lot of movies that people don't like or need to reconsider. So I like a lot of films that people don't like. <laughs> I'm yeah. sat here right now looking at a Blu-ray of Carrie 2. Of oh, the, the Rage. The Rage oh. 2. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see you in like another 50 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan, where can everybody keep up with you and what you're doing? Um, you can check us out on, if you go to Facebook, type in Podcast Under The Stairs. Um, or you can go to Twitter, it's T-Putzcast, or Instagram, T-Putzcast. What I would suggest is that you perhaps don't 
try to work your way through the entire back catalogue because there was 24 this month and they've been going for fucking years. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot out there. There's a lot out there. There's a limit to how much you'll be interested. You'll, 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 you'll fizzle off. I, I, I accept that. It's part and parcel. And you're still largely flying solo though now? Yeah, yeah. That's why there's more stuff coming out. I've historically had a lot of, very much like yourselves, had a lot of kind of overseas guests and stuff mm-hmm, coming yeah. on mm-hmm. and just time scheduling and stuff like that. I yeah. found I can get more done myself, weirdly. Oh, yeah. So I just, I just do it now just myself but yeah I have guests still coming on from other podcasts about keep meaning to get you guys on oh anytime anytime you like so anytime you like and uh, yeah we'll get something recorded but we uh, can't step in we're like vampires we can't come in and tell you (laughs) tell us so yeah we'll get we'll need to get it sorted we need to get it sorted and um yeah it's it's, it's been it's been awesome thank you very much oh thank you for doing it Uh, thanks for doing it thank you well I had my work out for me there (laughs) yeah sorry about that man I always have a fight on my hands keeping it linear. Yep. Our first year done. Our first and our, year. Our, maybe our last year <laughs> after that episode as the listeners leave us in droves. I wouldn't joke about that if I was you. <laughs> but yeah, that does uh, bring us to the end of episode 50 and indeed to the end of our first year on Strong wow. Language of Women Scenes. Wow, this has been fucking great, hasn't it so far? It really has been. Um, and yeah, I think it would be remiss to not right now thank everybody that has taken the time to listen to the show um everyone who's taken time out to come on as a guest talk yep. films with us stuff yep. like that everyone who's taken time to comment on social media and kind of talk to one another on social media the lovely little kind of community that sprung up we didn't expect that at all no not at all yeah and so it's really nice seeing people kind of actually like kind of befriend each other and stuff yeah. right talking about these things mm-hmm. with us and all that so it's, it's, it's just been a really good time and uh, we hope to keep on doing it absolutely and I also just want to thank uh, the guys at Celluloid Screams and the guys from Fright Fest and the guys from Arrow Video for all their support promoting live shows and giving us a bunch of stuff to give away and all that like it's just it's just really lovely people have just been really great like, yeah really pe- great people being really kind when we were at a very early stage Oh, I, which I, is very very cool. But yeah, over and above anything else, big thanks to you guys. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, we 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 do genuinely love every single person who takes the time to listen to us. <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us between now and next time, you can do that. Facebook and Instagram, we're Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. Of course, yes, and there are tons of places you can listen to as much. Is that a fact? Yeah, you want the one-year rundown? Why the hell not? It's the Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Acast, TuneIn, and Podbean. Anyone would think you've done that before. So we'll be back Monday with the commencement of year two of Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Minisode 50. Of course, on there we will have everything you've come to expect. We'll be taking a look at what we've been watching. We will be taking a look at my progress or otherwise through the Shockwaves 100, uh, playing Mitch's pitches once again, all that stuff. We will, of course, also be letting you know everything you need to know to prep for episode 51. Yep, that's pretty much it, I suppose. I suppose so. Another one down. Time to crawl back into our holes. I suppose, yeah. We'll we'll see everybody on Monday. Yep, we'll be back Monday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of shards. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.